he literally showed me on stage different, these different musicians from these different churches coming together and releasing their song. And I was like, okay, well, I trust you. And every musician that I got a hold of was like, yeah, I'm wide open. Let's do it. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. And it was like so easy. And so there's going to be like six different churches at this time represented on this worship team, this regional worship night. And I'm just so very excited. Literally, there's going to be a piece from different churches in our region that are bearing fruit that are going to be here that we're just going to be going after God's heart that night. Right? And I, and I love that because, again, it's strategy from the Lord that I believe that he's wanting to reveal and pour out to his body. It's simple stuff like that. You know, I, I say the reason why I say it's so simple because, you know, in him, this thing gets very easy, very easy when we trust him. I've been telling some people this that I'm close to, but like uh, a few months ago, I just like, I said yes before and I gave him, you know, I'm like, yes, Lord, I'm going to give you my yes at all times. Yes, amen. But something shifted in me almost the end of last year where I just looked at God and I say, man, I don't want to say no ever again. And in your walk, there's going to be these moments and these times where it can be very easy to say no to him. Like, that's scary. But the more that you get to understand that in this walk with him, that it's ease, that yes just becomes easier and easier. Amen? You see what I'm saying? Like it just becomes easier and easier and easier. Oh, I love Jesus. He's so good. Okay. So am I missing anything? Are we good on that? Is there your, your women, your women's meeting? Women's meeting. Trying to work it out. Trying to work it out. I already said we're having our next men's meeting at Disney World, so you guys get <laughs> Now, I appreciate all the men that came out Friday night. You guys are amazing. I love, you know, one of the things we love doing here at Destiny Church is we love building family. We love getting to know one another. Um, that's why on Thursdays we have our connect time in which we're just drinking coffee, talking with one another, getting to know each other, and going into activation and stuff. And um, can I just share a testimony from Thursday? So um, there's a lot of times on Thursdays we do different activations and we go deep into the presence of God and um, in the areas of discipleship and and our Thursdays are not Sunday's little brother, okay? You know, you get that a lot. Your midweek service looks like a Sunday service, but it's just like, and so our Thursdays here at DC, if, you've, if you haven't been, work, whatever it may be, I encourage you to come because it's not Sunday morning's little brother. Like Thursday, for those that come, it's a whole different animal. Like it's just totally, like, like I'm going to say this and maybe I shouldn't say this because it might not, make you come, uh, might not make you come on these nights, but it's a little stretching and it will make you uncomfortable on Thursday nights. Because what we do is we activate the body and we give each and every member of our Thursday nights, we give you this opportunity to operate in what God has called you into. And so on Thursday, we did this little activation, really, really cool. It was really awesome. And there was an individual that was here and she was like, I've never done anything like this before. But she was able to give and deliver a very, very on-point word. And then after service, she messaged me on Facebook, and she was like, you don't understand how crazy that was for me. And then immediately as she did, another person who was here that Thursday night said, thank you so much for always doing what's necessary to stretch the body of Christ because it helps me to grow. So I want to encourage you on Thursday nights, if you can, just come hang out with us. It might get a little uncomfortable, yes, but, and maybe I shouldn't have said that. Maybe I should just try to be like, hey, come on Thursdays, that's fun. But I'm, but I'm being honest. Like, I want you to know what you're getting yourself into. 
Because uncomfortable stretching is necessary in growth. Amen? Right? Aren't they even called growth pains? Growing pains? You know what I mean? Like, in your growth, sometimes you got to get a little uncomfortable. Jesus. That's why they say, like, you know, if, if the will of God wasn't uncomfortable, why did he send the comforter? You know? Holy Spirit's the comforter, right? You see what I'm saying? Like, if, 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 if this walk with him wasn't uncomfortable, we would not need a comforter. Jesus' disciples ask him. Let me get into my message real quick. They ask him something so profound. I just want to teach you guys this morning on what God has taught me and what Jesus taught his disciples. They asked him something so very profound. They said, in Luke 11, as Jesus was praying in a certain, in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Okay? Lord, teach us to pray. In our walk with God, prayer is vital and it's necessary, but it also takes up our time. Now, I'm going to get personal here for a second. One of the most valuable things that we have as individuals is our time. Oh, I'm busy, I'm busy, I'm busy. I got this, I got this, I got this. Trust me, I know, I understand. We got a lot of irons in the fire ourselves. I, I get it. But one of the most profound things that I'll ever read is his disciples not saying Jesus teaches how to walk on water or how to cast out devils, how to heal the sick. They said, teach us how to pray. Very, 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 I just, I love that thought because in us, if we are not people of prayer, then we will not be people connected to the heart of the Father. Here's how I know, because Jesus says this. He says, when you pray, don't be like hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. I want to break that down for just one second. He's not saying that, oh, they do stuff just for people to see them. It's the heart posture that he's talking about here. If the Pharisees' hearts would have been in the right place to Jesus, then them praying on the corner would have been perfectly fine. He would not have addressed it. But Jesus understood the hearts of the Pharisees and these hypocrites. Because remember, hypocrites means, you know, putting on a mask, an actor on a stage. That's where the word comes from. It comes from an actor. They love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by men. He says, assuredly, I say to you, they'll have their reward. He says, but you, children of God, when you pray, go into your room and when you've shut your door, pray to the Father who is in the secret. Say, he's in the secret. And your father who sees in secret will, will reward you openly. What's happening here is that Jesus is teaching of a heart posture that believers and disciples need to have. And that's a heart posture of intimacy and saying, yes, where you call me to go, I will go. Because again, if the Pharisees' heart posture is in the right place, then them on the corner shouting and praying for men to see is fine. Jesus himself even said, let your deeds shine out for all men to see, right? Let your deeds shine out to point back to the Father. So Jesus is, he's not against you operating in what he's calling you into and people seeing you. See, that's not the problem. The problem is the heart. And if we try to force relationship with Jesus, it's not going to work. It's just not going to work. You can't force somebody into anything. 
You can't talk somebody into the kingdom of God. You just can't do it. You have to be in this place where you yourself are putting your place into that, that, the heart of God, where you're saying, God, what I desire is what you're calling me into. He, they say, teach me to pray. Watch this. this I'm just going to say this real quick. I'm not going to teach long because I want to put, I want to pray for a, a quick mandate on each and every one of us. Is that okay? So David, King David was a worshiper, right? First Chronicles 14 says, the Philistines once again made a raid on the valley. Therefore, David inquired or he spoke or he asked to God. And God says to him, you're not going to go up after them, circle around them and come to them in the front of the mulberry trees. And it shall be that when you hear a sound of marching in the tops of mulberry trees, you shall go out for battle. For God has gone out before you and he strike the camp of the Philistines. So David did as God commanded and they won. So here's what happens is that 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 that. David, King David, the worshiper of worshipers, right? Established at the tabernacle of David. Had hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of musicians and continual 24-hour-a-day prayer nonstop over and over and over. He often inquired of the Lord. He oftentimes would, in fact, in Psalms 86, he says, Give ear, O Lord, to my prayer and attend to the voice of my supplications, because in the day of trouble I'll call upon you and I know that you'll answer me. See, what David did in, in, in 1 Chronicles, when he was in this midst of an attack or he was going up against something, he inquired of the Lord. Now, here's the, one of the most things, and raise your hand if you've been here, where you're like, Oh, man, I try to pray, but it's like my prayers are bouncing off the walls. Like, seriously, like that, that is a real thing. Like, that's not like in prayer. That is a very real mindset where it's almost very um, uh, disheartening or discouraging to go and pray because you feel like your prayers are just bouncing off the ceiling. Come on, who's been there? And how many, I've been there, how many can say honestly as well that that mindset has actually caused you to not pray? Right? Now, I'm not going to give any credit to the enemy because sometimes I think we give too much. But what I think that sometimes it is, is it's us just not understanding prayer. That's why the disciples say, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And what King David did in this moment is he inquired of the Lord and he says, I know that when I cry out to you, you're going to answer me. He said, I know that you're going to answer me. Guys, in your prayer life, there has to be trust that God is hearing you and he's going to answer you. And sometimes it's not the answer we want. We know that. But we have to trust him in what he's saying when we connect in the area of prayer. We talk all the time and we'll continue to say it over and over and over again of how we're longing to change culture in our workplace, in our schools, in the world around us. We'll sit with you and we will share testimonies with you of what God is doing in the government of Orange, in the school districts of Orange, in the workplaces of Orange, in city council of Orange. We will share with you what God's doing if you want to hear some awesome things. But beloved, it started in a place of prayer. It started in a place of God. What do you want us to do? This church was birthed in, God, what do you want us to do? See, in marriages, when one calls out unto the other, you know the voice when they answer you. 
always pick on, on, on my wife Karen on this because sometimes she'll ask me something and, and sometimes I have to process it. And she's like, okay, well, fine. Well, don't answer me then. I'm like, wait, hold on, wait, wait. Her understanding of my response to her question is me being vocal to answer it. So innately as human beings, when, when, when someone is not like talking back to us, they're like, oh, they're not paying attention. They're, they're not answering. They're not listening to me. Right, that's why it's called active listening. When someone talks, like, mm-hmm, yeah, uh-huh, yep, I understand, understandable, mm-hmm, yep, yes, ma'am, no, ma'am, yep, yep. You know what I mean? Because you're responding as a person's talking. Customer service teaches you. That's one of the first things they teach you of, of this active hearing. Uh-huh, oh, yeah, mm, oh, gosh, uh-huh, yep. <laughs> the disciples say, teach us to pray. And in our walk, when we pray, we have to believe and trust that God is hearing our supplications and that in those moments, he's going to answer. Now, again, he may not answer that very second the way we're wanting, but I promise as children of God being led by the spirit of God, he's going to answer. May not be what we like, but he's going to answer. King David understood that. Jesus, you're good. Acts 12. Peter was kept in prison. A constant prayer was offered to God for him by the church. And when Herod was was about to bring him out that night, Peter was sleeping. He was bound with chains between two soldiers and the guards before the door were keeping him in prison. And an angel of the Lord stood by him. A light shone in prison and struck Peter, raised him up out of his chains and said, Arise quickly. The Bible says the chains fell off. But before any of this happened, it says that he was in constant prayer. And the way I see this is that he was probably bound for some time. But he continued in his prayer. See, this is the other part about prayer. It's it's the perseverance. Believe it or not, the Western culture church is very microwavable driven. That's why churches want to make everything so easy and accessible as quick as possible. Because we are so microwavably trained. Oh, God's not on that. God didn't answer me on that? Okay, and you freak out and you go ask your friend. And you ask every single friend until they give you the response you're looking for. Come on. Come on. We are so in this position of it's like, if it's like, man, it's like the fervency is thrown out the window the moment we don't get the answer we're looking for. The fervent prayer, the constant, continual prayer. I was talking to a man of God the other day that God uh, connected me with, and through a dream, it was, it was beautiful, it was fantastic. And we were talking, and he said this to me. He said, you know, over this past month, every single night, every single night, God has called me to pray for four hours straight about these certain things in the city. And I thought to myself, wow. And he said, since that moment, he said they've had people from Australia that have flown to their church. He said their church went from 30 people to 120 people. They've seen demons cast out of people. They've seen deaf ears open. And I was like, bro, that's beautiful. And he's telling me, he's like, yeah, it's all Jesus. It's all Jesus. But in my mind, I'm thinking, dude, you partnered with heaven and you did what God was calling you to do 
to see these things because there will be fruit of your obedience. And in my heart, I'm thinking, dude, it's your fervent and constant prayer of calling upon the Lord and tearing some things down that has allowed the opening of the Spirit to come in. And sometimes, beloved, the disciples say, Jesus, teach us to pray. But what but, but some of us sometimes say is, Jesus, show me how to get out of this quickly. Jesus, show me how to take care of this rather quickly because I don't want to be uncomfortable. Guys, this is for all of us. We could minister this message in every church in Texas and Oklahoma and Florida and California. And I guarantee you there will be people that are like, yeah, I need, yeah, you're right. Guys, because the bride is in a situation, I'm telling you, where Jesus is increasing passion and increasing an awareness of more of him. Get in your prayer closet. You'll see there's a shift right now in the body of Christ where God is wooing his bride back to him like never before. Talk with some individuals who are, who, whose ears are leaned into the heart of God and just what is God saying? What is God doing? I'm telling you, it's not sin, judgment, this, that, and the other. Look at the news. Look at that. He's saying, come to me. Come to me. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. Last thing here, beloved. <laughs> Luke 5 says, Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness and prayed. And then in Mark 1, it says, Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, Jesus went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. And in that prayer, his disciples are looking for him. They said, dude, everyone's looking for you, Jesus. What are you doing? You're the guest speaker. What's going on? We're waiting for you. We're looking for you. And Jesus' immediate reply after getting out of prayer says, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also, because for this purpose I have come forth. When it says that he often withdrew into the wilderness, the word withdrew, the root word of that in the original context means to make room, advance, or move forward. So when you make room to go be with Jesus and pray, what you're doing is you're creating an atmosphere in your life for growth and to move forward on some of the things you've been petitioning him for. Let me say it like this. When you choose to go away with Jesus, you're building an extra room in your heart for God to grow into. You're advancing. You're growing. Jesus often withdrew into the wilderness to pray, to withdraw. Beloved, I'm telling you, if there's areas in your walk where you have not been advancing or growing in Jesus, look at your prayer life. Look at your prayer life. I used to tell my youth all the time back in the day. And it's something I cling to. It's one of my, one of my old one-liners. And it's if, if husbands and wives only spoke on Wednesdays and Sundays, their marriage would crumble. If the only communication between husbands and wives was two days a week, and for some, maybe one service in April and one service in December. Marriages would crumble. 
Jesus is calling us into a place to where we are often withdrawing. Why? Because it was beneficial for these 12, these 12 men of God that turned the world upside down to inquire of the Lord and say, teach us to pray. I think it's important for us to do the same. I think it's very important for us to ask the Lord, teach me to pray. Because your prayers can bring down strongholds. Your prayers can see alcoholics be set free, living in the glory of God. Your prayers for families, can you can, you can see restoration and life come to dead areas through your prayers. But Jesus is wanting to teach you how to do it. So here's the challenge, guys. First off, I love y'all. Thanks for listening to me. I get very passionate about Jesus, if you can't tell. I love him. He changed my life. <laughs> That's why I think it's, it's so awesome, too. <laughs> you know, when, when you give your heart to Jesus, you know, oftentimes it's, you know, say this prayer after me. But guys, that's, that's the power of prayer. That's the power of communicating with Jesus is that it changes things, guys, on earth as it is in heaven. That's, that's what Jesus tells them. When they say teach us how to pray, he teaches them. And, and, and in this teaching, he says on earth as it is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread. Every day when you're in prayer with him, every day, we're going to say that often, often, often. I promise we will have a daily shirt. It's going to just say daily. It's like our thing. But daily communication with God will lean you deeper into knowing what he's doing. And when you face trials or circumstances or successes or what do I do with this? How do I deal with that? God, what are you saying for my coworker? In that area, he's teaching you to pray and communicate with him so that you know that he will answer you. John 10, my sheep know my voice. So, beloved, take this with you and just ask the Lord. God, in every area of my prayer life with you, I want you to teach me the deeper things of prayer. But not only that, but if there's areas where you have been mismanaging that, say, God, I repent, change my heart for wasting time. Rather than watching the latest, greatest episode of this, that, and the other, I need to answer you when you're calling me into the bedroom, right? Because there's that scripture that says that, that when you say, seek my face, my heart says, your face will I seek. Your spirit man is always longing to meet with him. Always. That's why there's sometimes that conviction. He is always longing to meet with Jesus. If you've been feeling any kind of like shame, guilt, heaviness, things like that, and that's been keeping you out of that secret place like Jesus said, but when you pray, go into your bedroom, shut the door behind you, go into the secret place where God is. Guys, that's, that's strategy. But you don't need to pray for 17 hours to know that Jesus said God is in the secret place. He's letting you know where he's going to be. Oh, I just, I don't know. Man, I just haven't really heard anything from God. I just don't know where he's at in my life right now. Have you shut the door behind you? Have you turned everything else off? Well, I mean, I, I talk to God when I'm on my way to work. Well, I, you know, I, I talk to God when I'm, when I'm walking down the street and, you know, doing my exercise. No, 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 but I mean, but like, but like, have you turned everything off and shut the door behind you and got lost in his presence where he's at? Oh, well, no, but that, you know, because my kids and, and this, that, and the other. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Have you gone into your bedroom where God is 
and found him. There's direction and there's strategy that Jesus, it doesn't take a prophetic revelation, break down what God's saying, New Jerusalem, Davidic code, this, that, and the other, a book written for 300 pages to know where God's at. Jesus was very blunt about it. Hey, go pray, you'll find him. In fact, God even assures us, it says, when you search for me with a whole heart, what? You'll find me. It's like he's playing hide and seek, but he's like, like behind a, a small tree. You know, he's like. <laughs> I just saw that. Like, eh, that's God, though. You know, but yes, he's hiding himself. Yes, he's hiding himself because there's this there's this 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 want that he's wanting for his children to come and find him. But at the same time, he is easily accessible. <laughs> Now just have that image when you're in prayer. God's like, come find me. (laughs) Jesus, you're good. So guys, here's your mandate for the week and for the remainder. This isn't a seasonal thing. This is a lifetime thing until you see his faith and you pass on to eternity. Is find him daily. Just ask him. Teach me to pray. Teach me to pray, God. Teach me, like, like, teach me the secrets of prayer. Teach me what I need. That's why I love the Monday intercession meetings. I hear the testimonies from these people that are coming on Mondays, and it's not just people coming up here saying, Jesus, we just pray for this, that, and the other. It's people getting set free. It's the fire of God falling. It's people getting healed. It's God shaking things. It's people opening up and finding inner healing. Like in those moments, it's Jesus, teach me to pray. That's why we always say, we don't just want to pray. Like shotgun prayers are great. I love shotgun prayers. We're just like, okay, wherever it lands, it lands. But I also love those when you're in line with what Jesus is praying because he's interceding, right? When you line yourself up with exactly what Jesus is praying for. I believe it's in those moments where you see citywide change, governmental change, school change, culture change as a whole. And beloved, if I said it once, I will say it 10,000 million more times is that we don't want just better services. We want Jesus to receive his reward in our region. Beloved, stand with me. Jesus, you're good. Jesus, you're good. All right, so to sum everything up, wrap it up. Guys, pray. Very simple, pray. Jesus, we repent of areas that we have mismanaged our prayer life. Jesus, we repent where we have allowed the excuse of busyness. Jesus, we repent for areas where we've allowed our drives to work, having to watch out for cars next to us and distracted and busy to take the place of going to the secret. But Father, I just declare a responsibility upon all your people here to begin to steward their prayer lives like never before. God, this is a message we could, we could minister and preach every Sunday. Because if it was great enough for the disciples to ask, it's great enough for us to ask. So, Lord, we just declare that in our prayer and in our lives, Lord, on earth as it is in heaven is something that we'll walk in. And, Lord, I thank you for every individual that's here, God, that is accepting the invitation for the depth of prayer. Come on, if you want to accept that invitation, just hold your hands out. Come on, we're going to do a prophetic act. Like, like look into your heart. 
Like, it's okay if you don't want to accept this invitation because sometimes it's like that heaviness, right? Like, sometimes we're coming into an agreement with God about something, and we don't even, we don't even really mean it. We're just like, oh, this sounds cool. Like, I'm going to ask you, like, if you, if you can look in the depth of your heart and you're like, man, like, I really need my prayer life to change. Because prayer life is communication. It's not, it's not you just, like, praying stuff. It's you communicating and being personal and intimate with Jesus. It's you knowing his heart. That takes intimacy, guys. You don't get to know somebody's heart just one time. Just meeting them one day, like, oh, yeah, I know everything about them. It takes relationship building and intimacy. So, so with hands lifted out, Father, we're just saying that we accept the invitation into a greater prayer life. We're saying, God, we repent of any ways that we have mismanaged our prayer lives. We don't want distractions to take the place of our gaze on you anymore. I believe and trust that you've given me a prayer life that's going to bring down strongholds, that's going to, that's going to cancel witchcraft over my city, that's going to break the back of mammon and Pharaoh over the body of Christ. I, I know that you've given me prayers that's going to tear down the walls of religion and division in our city. I believe you've given me prayers that are going to tear down racism in my region and in my city. I believe you've given me prayers that's going to tear down poverty level in my city. I believe you've given me prayers that I'm going to be able to declare over individuals and see them set free. Those that are bound by chains, you've given me prayers to begin to see those chains fall off of them very easily. And Lord, as I ask for this depth of prayer life, I'm also asking that you would activate within me, God, the boldness to pray with people as you highlight them in public places. Why? Because our good deeds will shine forth for all to see, pointing back to Jesus. So, Father, we just receive. We just receive. And we say yes. And we say yes. Come on, you don't have to be labeled an intercessor to pray for your city and your region and see things fall. You don't have to be labeled a prophet to speak God's heart out over somebody. You certainly do not need a microphone. You can shake nations from your bedroom. You can change regions from your bedroom. You can shift your workplace in the name of Jesus from your bedroom. God, just take us into that depth, God. Remind us that where God is is where we want to be. Mary and Martha. If Jesus is, if, if, if he's in the living room seated, we want to be there. If he's in the kitchen seated, we want to be in the kitchen. Wherever Jesus is is where we want to be. And if he's in the secret place, let that be. Let that be the exact place we want to be at all the days of our life. In Jesus' name. Beloved, I'm thankful for each and every one of y'all. You will have done...